It's that time of year when the players and managers up and down the country search for some stability in a contract with a new club. There's already been a few notable moves, but which one stands out for you? The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the big kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Cork City have new owners. Finn Harps and Longford have new managers in place already and superb news that Women's National League will go professional. That's just brilliant news and and I can't wait to discuss that with Nathan Doyle, who I'm joined with today from TheBigKickoff.com. And Nathan, exciting times down in Cork, yes or no? Yeah, I think so. Um, First time since 2009, they're no longer a community-based clubs. We could probably mull over the pro and cons of community-based fan-owned clubs, but we, we have a break, we have a half an hour or so time to stick to. So uh, <laughs> we, we'll sorry, we'll, we'll keep that on the backbone of another day, maybe. Yeah, so this is obviously coming from uh, Dermot Usher has now um, is set to take full control of Cork City. This is coming from uh, the, the the special general meeting that took place on Sunday in Cork uh, with the Forwards members. They've uh, voted eighty-six uh, percent in favour of the takeover, so a pretty substantial um, amount. That now means that Dermot Usher, when the process is complete, will take on the full assets and liability of Forvers, and that will now be transferred over to a new uh, company corporation that has been set up to specifically keep an eye on the on the deal to go through. Um, again, small small details we got from coming out of the meeting, Roy, is if the sale isn't complete. Forwards have told uh, the board and management that he can um, operate the club through this new company that I just mentioned. Um, Dermot Usher now will also give Forwards to, I'm sure people know, but now before I said the, uh, the, the, the fan-owned group that owned Cork City or previously yeah. owned Cork City, um, Usher will give them an undisclosed fee to continue their trust. And this fee will also go towards the termination of the uh, the call to buy option that we talked about uh, with Grove More Limited, who were heavily tipped to take over through uh, 2020 and 2021, but obviously stalled and now isn't going to happen. So I think it's a it's a good thing. We did talk a lot about them, Usher. Was it last last show we don't want to think it was, Roy? Yeah, it was. And, uh, and what we were talking about, the, yeah, the plans for, you know, training grounds, uh, stadiums, uh, stuff like that. Has anything come out along those lines? So all I've seen, Roy, and it's uh, not even coming out of this meeting, it's probably coming out of more so things like this, like podcast appearances that Darren Usher has done. Um, a lot of it is things that we did mention. It's uh, looking to fund up to uh, 850000 euro in 2023 if needed so he is willing to put that money forward but he will also be looking at other revenue streams going forward he'll be looking to decrease that number as the years go down things like uh corporation sponsors and things like that we'd imagine that he'd be looking into it uh something that we actually didn't talk about roy and something that has been mentioned a lot is his ambition to get cork back into europe in the coming seasons which you have to deal with if you want to be a sustainable league of Ireland club Obviously, we mentioned the Roy, the hiring of a director of football and a marketing executive. These all sound great on paper, but I know you that you mentioned in particular about a director of football is that it's sort of a buzzword, isn't it? At times when you hear mm. that and you think, "Oh, brilliant!" You know, the director of, director of football—that's such a sensible hire. But 
it's it'd be interesting again to see what's the focus going to be in the director of football. Where's the, where's it going to really lie? Because I think you sort of have to pinpoint that down a little bit. It's a bit of a broad statement to make, isn't it? As a director of football, you sort of need to. Well, it's all about the plan, expertise, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's about the plan. What kind of plan do you have in line with a director of football? What are you asking them to do? How long are you asking them? Uh, what time frame are you giving them to do whatever it is that you want done? It can't be just throw someone in there willy-nilly and, and, and hope that they do miracles. So there has to be a plan and the owners are going to have to have an idea of what they would like to see happen for that director of football to implement. Uh, if they let them go solo, I, I just don't think that's going to work. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, it really does. And just moving on, a couple of other things that we talked about uh, is the improvement of the academy facilities and the women's training facilities. Uh, they was make sure that the men and the women's uh, teams that's under the um, one umbrella, which again, nice to hear. And uh, the regular engagement with Forrest and the Board of Management, which for me is, is a really nice sticking point to hear that the support of trust will continue. Uh, they've also, if, if, if Dermot Usher does want to sell the club for whatever reason in the future, They've been, uh, they've been given an option to buy the club debt-free with a buyback option for one euro. So it's nice that you have that option there. The support of trust is still in place to keep the best interests of the club uh, in the core and in its heart, which is something that they've been doing since they've been there since 2009. So, yeah, I, I think on paper, it, it, you always have to give a, bit, a, bit, a pinch of salt, don't you, when you hear new owners coming in to, to any club, especially Cork City, given, given their recent history. But, yeah, I think I've given the benefit of the doubt on paper. Everything seems seems to be nice. A year or so down the line, you'll definitely need to see, you know, direct like we mentioned, director of football is a big team. What they're gonna do in that aspect. Nice to see a marketing executive coming in. That's something that a lot of clubs don't in having that they sorta of can be neglected. So it's nice to see them professionalise that side of the club. But yeah, I And do. they've got I, such I, a I big area down there, Nathan. Yeah. You yeah, know, so they they should be able to uh I suppose make a lot of progress on the marketing side, which such a, a, a big name for, you know, uh, they would call it the capital, but uh, the, one, the second biggest uh, in Ireland. It's definitely something that they could uh, profit from. Yeah, it really is. It's definitely one of the biggest catchment areas uh, in the League of Ireland, isn't it? I know we have Cove down there, but they're sort of on a, on a law into themselves. <laughs> like, like Cove is Cove and like the people of Cork City itself are going to be more naturally inclined to go down to Tornos Cross. So, yeah, absolutely massive population, massive, massive distance. So to be able to, to, to utilise that, it, it would, it's, it's only going to improve. And now, friends of Cork City, you know, we look at their attendance figures and their season ticket figures, it, it's up there in one of the highest in the league. But, yeah, it's definitely the, the senior marketing executive come in with, with William for the club. But, yeah, I, 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 I would be optimistic with, with this one. Um. I think it's someone in Derma Usher that knows the league, that has shown an interest in the league. We talked about his his previous inquiries of, of helping take overs with Bray, Shelbourne, Dundalk, things like this. Uh, his company, Sonus Batrooms, as you mentioned again in the last show, have been previous sponsors of Bray Wanderer. So, yeah, it, it, from the outside looking in, it seems like his heart's in the right place and, and, and Cork have made, uh, made the right decision to to move on from, from the community-based club that, that they've been, uh, been known for since 2009. Which, funny enough, actually, I think only seen as well. Only leaves Bohemians and Sligo. That's the only two um, fan-owned community clubs in the Premier Division. So you do yeah, wonder, that's... are we stepping away from that model a little bit? I think so. I, 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 when you look at the other clubs that are coming in and they're, and they're having a bit of financial backing behind them, it's going to be very hard. It would have to be a hell of a lot of work from those two clubs to 
keep up the pace with with some of the clubs who are going to uh, get I suppose invest a lot more money into their club uh, and that's why the plans the Sligo have are great um, and maybe a town maybe a town like that will be able to you know step up and and keep the pace because they're they're probably so together down there Bohemians might struggle a bit because you know they they just need to they they need a new stadium badly to, to kind of step yeah. up to the next yeah. level. Otherwise, they're they're going to struggle for a while and uh, struggling for a couple of years. The, the, how long it takes to build a stadium, especially around Daly Mount, uh, it, it could see them drift away and maybe even get relegated. So yeah, they definitely they definitely need that stadium up and running. Okay, well listen, just like Bose, uh, there, there's been a few. I suppose the manager merry-go-round, as, as you have stated, Nathan, there's been a few new managers put in place. Who are they? Yeah, there's been a few. Uh, there's one or two that we talk about that have happened recently, and it's, it's the merry-go-round has gone around that fast, Roy. We've actually missed one or two ourselves. Yeah. Um, we've had a couple of beefy shows over the past couple of weeks, and I couldn't, couldn't find a place, or they just sort of went under a radar. So we'll cover that all the bases. Um. Big one coming in, appointment from Finn Harps. Uh, Dave Rogers has come on as Finn Harps manager on a four-year deal. First of all, excellent to see such a long-term contract go on and to see Dave uh, commit to that and making the move. I follow Dave on Twitter and see him that they make the move from Liverpool to, to Donegal. So great to see that. Uh, the, the club really putting so much of an emphasis on Dave, so that's great to see. Great appointment. I really do think, Roy. I think this is an absolutely excellent appointment. When you see well, you know some of the good names that have been linked with it. Yeah, do you know what's good about it, Nathan? It's it's a fresh name. It's a fresh person. It's, a, it's someone yeah. new. It's not it's not someone from jumping from one club to another. So he'll bring something different to the league, which that's what we want to see. Definitely. Like such an elite and well travelled coach as well. Um he was an international academy coach and an academy manager with Liverpool. Some of these roles even took him over with Liverpool in residential uh, academies in India and South Korea. He was the assistant manager for, for the uh, Indian national team, managed over in Arizona, in America. Most recently he was at uh, Nottingham Forest at the Under-21 Academy. So definitely well-traveled and highly regarded. And he's done an excellent job in particular in Nottingham Forest with that Under-21 squad. But while he is somebody that's been the fresh eye to the league, he's no stranger to the League of Ireland, right? You know, it's a lengthy, lengthy League of Ireland career as a player. Uh, most notably, obviously, with Shelbourne, he won three league titles. But let me run through, let me run through this uh, small Wikipedia that I have in front of me. He's also played with Derry City, St. Pat's, Sporting Fingal on loan, uh, Dundalk, Cork City, Limerick, Monaghan United, it, and he was also in the books of Bowles as well. So, something that is definitely no stranger to the league as a whole. No, every club in the league. Excellent. Uh, every club in the league, yeah, bar a handful. But uh, yeah. now, seriously, great appointment, I think. And it's just, just now it's very early days. So we're going to have to wait and, and let things settle down. It's still going to be a lot of moving going on uh, over the off season. But definitely, for me, the right step for, for Finn Harps, they've taken to get themselves back in the Premier Division because Davis is a seriously elite coach. And like you said, like it's you'd rather see someone like this come in with, like, no disrespects to the Jim McGuinnesses that have been linked with any job that's been in the northwest of Ireland. We had Sean Connor on the show as well before. He's been linked with the job. But someone like Dave, yeah, it just has a freshness about it. And to see him get that four-year deal and that much time. And it's great because you're enticing someone back into the country. And 
if yeah. if if Dave Rogers coming back into the country to Finn Harps, it means that he's excited by what's going to happen in Finn Harps. Obviously, the new stadium, and there's there's obviously that a bit of an attraction there with the League of Ireland now, where managers are willing to come here and look. Damien Duff, although Damien's Irish and what have you. Damon could easily go and employ his trade elsewhere in England somewhere yeah. or whatever. So there, it's seen as definitely as a stepping stone as a manager and and as a player. And with new money being poured into the league, um, and if we can market the league in the way that it deserves to be marketed, the league has potential to to grow. And uh, I'm hoping that's one of the reasons why Dave has come aboard. Yeah, definitely. You'd love to. Um, it didn't stop there, though, did it, Roy? It, no. it certainly didn't. We had another name in the fourth division. A uh, friend of the channel, Stephen yeah. Henderson, uh, appointed Longford manager for the 2023 fourth division season. We've had Stephen on the show. You've had him in particular on multiple times in different aspects on the coaching corner and, and this League of Ireland show here. Book of Grieve, nice affair. You couldn't meet uh, within the sphere of, sphere of football. But again, uh, uh, Coach that's well regarded within the League of Ireland circles. Two spells at Cove Ramblers, won the fourth division uh, in 2007. It's the first ever piece of silverware, so it's a historic figure in Cove Ramblers. Mm-hmm. Done great work at Waterford as well. Like I said, Roy, you had him on the, the coaching corner, really got to pick his brain from, from uh, coaching aspects. What, what do you think he'll bring to Longford and is he the right person to get into Longford again? Another club that you'd imagine will have uh, playoff aspirations uh, next season. Well, I think for Stephen, for him to come back in now was probably the right time because you keep leaving it, you keep leaving it, you get forgotten about. And as we said, you've got the likes of Damien Duff, you've got Dave Rogers and you've got loads of new, not new coaches, but you know what I mean? Coaches out there who who are willing to step in. Uh, So it's very easy to get forgotten about. And I think it's a good move for Stephen because Longford are... A decent club with some decent players down there, and it will give him a decent opportunity in that league next year. Albeit, again, with the merry-go-round that goes around with the players, it'll be interesting to see who he brings in with him. I, yeah, you'd be optimistic for them because there's, there, there's, with Stephen, you know that he knows his football, you know that he's going to demand. Uh, a high level of the players and you just hope now that he gets that good mix of of youth and experience uh, because that's what that was kind of missing when they went into the into the premier division uh, it was yeah. a, a very a very youthful team and that does not always that's not the way it always works and for a manager you cannot especially in the league of Ireland you cannot plan for four or five years ahead you really do have to get the mix right nearly straight away Bar maybe Tommy Barrett who who got a free run at uh, with Treaty because you know they're jumping in at the deep end, but even Tommy now will be looked at this year, you know. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what acquisitions he he brings on board. Yeah, I think that's what you touched on that that they see him come back in the league after three years he's been away now. Yeah, mm-hmm. 2019, three years he's been away. So I was surprised to see him get the job, but not in in a way that, you know, a bad coach or, or a bad career record. He has a great record. And get like, I always, even when he was with Waterford, that wouldn't really remember his first spell at Cove, but even at Waterford, he always remembered that he sets his team up to be really aggressive and, and they're easy to watch in the eye, which will go down well in Longford as well. But yeah, to see him come back in, I think he needed to break away. He talked to us about it, didn't he? The, the, uh, 
the horror show that you had to put up with at the, at the end of his Cove Ramblers days and just the behind the scenes aspect of the club. The club wasn't yeah. in a good place at all. So, yeah, hopefully we see a rejuvenated Stephen coming into the league because, yeah, we really well respected the coach and it's a good job there. It's a, as you mentioned, it's a Longford Towns uh, club that he doesn't have to worry about the, the, the behind the scenes drama, which he may have did in the previous clubs. So, he can actually just focus on the job at hand and bringing in the right players, the right coaching staff and getting them back up to the Premier Division and fighting for that player opposition next year. Absolutely. Bowles have a new assistant manager. We do. We have two more to run through. Then we'll, uh, we'll jump off the mirror around. So I'm getting a bit dizzy now. Uh, speaking of Longford, nice little transition. Former Longford manager Gary Cronin has gone in t- as uh, Declan Devine's assistant manager for the 2023 Premier Division season. Uh, again, it's, it's not a good acquisition, isn't it? I thought he'd done an excellent job at, at Longford. Surprised to see him leave when he did. So, Trude Milf from Declan getting in uh, another highly respected young coach. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at uh, Bohemians and uh, some of the players that are, I suppose, coming in and leaving, I suppose the big one was Liam Burke going to Shamrock Rovers. Uh, does, is, yeah. How much of a, a, a blow is that for Bowes? Well, if you take in the, the, there was a, uh, we talked about this when Danny Mandrew didn't when he went to Shamrock Rovers, the 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 attitude probably apparent attitude problems and nothing ever really tied at Shamrock Rovers. He just got on and done great stuff. So we're not really going to get into that. We don't know these players. Let's be honest. So looking at it as a player on the pitch, I think it's a big loss. I really think he's an excellent player. Um, we'll get into that Shamrock Rovers team as well. I don't think that would be an issue at all. They're not in a position where they need to really overhaul or, or bring in five, six, seven players. It's just bringing in these added little bits of quality to go in with the quality they have already. So, yeah, massive loss for both. Um, but it's becoming a bit of a trend, isn't it? Seeing players going from both to Shamrock Rovers, one that... Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not a trend that the Bowes fans no, would be hoping it's going to continue, you know. Um, what about some of the players that uh, they're getting in? I mean, keep Buckley's back with them. Yeah, yeah, that's a great sign. I thought he was a, he was the biggest loss. I've, I've said it multiple times. Of all the players that that have left Bowes over a couple of years, he was he was the biggest one and the one that he ultimately found, I think, the most difficult to replace. And I was only looking at the PFEI transfer list earlier, Roy, and seeing like Connor Levinson on the on the list, uh, someone that I thought was going to step up into that whole midfield position for uh, Bowes when when Keith left just hasn't worked out the way a lot mm. of people thought it would. So. They get Keith back in, and he got him in nice and early, which is absolutely vital. He's been tra- doing a bit of travelling. I'm sure he's still, still in physically great shape, but to get him back up to that match fitness speed, speed they've done it nice and early, give him proper pre-season to get back into it. So you'd imagine we're going to get the best version of Keith Buckley when the, the season rolls around. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely, it is a really big acquisition for Bowers because... Like I said, with Conor Levinson now uh, looking like he's going to part the club. Dawson DeVoy, another big loss, but that was always going to happen. So, yeah, it's great to see him back. Um, it's, it's been already, hasn't it, early doors. It's been a lot of uh, a lot of big movements been going on. Like We see like Shelbourne doing a lot of great work, but a lot of the Bray Wanderers, even Wexford have been doing some brilliant stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, even just even just back at even just back at Bowes, just uh, uh, James Akintunde has gone uh, there yeah. as well. He's been released from Derry again. You, you look at that; he's been released from Derry. Is does that 
is that a sign that are Bose kind of clutching at trying to get someone in? Is, is it's a free transfer? They're getting someone in. Like if Derry don't want them, what's that saying? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Go, I wouldn't think so. I do like Akatone. I think he's a good player. He's uh, his goal scoring record could be better. I just think if you're looking at Derry City to what they have now, if Jamie Jamie McGonagall, you'd imagine is going to be the one going forward. Um, that's what I was going to just kind of transition there into, into other uh, moves that happened, Roy. Yeah. One that really did catch my eye for Derry City was um, Colin Whelan yeah. coming into the club from UCD. Obviously, Colin has been very badly unlucky with injuries last season. So, you'd imagine with Whelan coming in, the looks at Akintunde probably suffers to requirements more than a bad player. So, I think it made sense going to a club like Bowles, you get in there. Um, full-time stroke. I think they'll be going full-time this season in terms of morning yeah. training. I think they are, so it won't be much of a transition for Akintunde. I think he'll do well there. So, yeah, that's what I, I more of a make of the, the players that Derry are going to bring in. You'd think he'd struggle for game time and definitely a player that's good enough to be uh, to be getting regular 90 minutes rather than you know relying on scraps coming off the bench or cup games or things but like that. is he going to improve that Bowes side? Yeah... Um, You'd ima- yeah, maybe. May- he's wouldn't be one that you know wouldn't be difficult to rely on him. I think he was going to go in as a central striker, yeah. as a 10, 15 goal consistent goal scorer. We seen again for both last year when Junior came in, he, he done well. But we, we know what Junior can do. He, he can dip in and out of form too. So if they're going to bring in somebody like Akintunde, it's going to. I think you need a big season to really. To, to, to show a lot of us up to show that he can't be that consistent goal scorer that Bowes need because I do think Bowes will struggle a little bit next season. Mm. I think they're, they're, they're starting to fall behind uh, others that were ahead of them. So they're going to need someone like this to step up and, and to be that big marquee signing and to uh, to really replace some of the goals that they were missing last season. And is that what kind of I was hinting at at the start of it that Shamrock Rovers and Derry City are picking out the players that they actually want and that they're seeking and Bowes in a way are kind of picking up players that they hope can come in and and do a job and and and, and take over from players that they're losing yeah it's because the signs that you've made so far have been probably shrewd more than glamorous haven't they you know we've mm-hmm. been in Adam McDonald from Sligo who, who had a good season last year another uh, good midfielder Dean Williams coming off a good season from, from Drogheda so I suppose it's um, when you have clubs like you just mentioned, we just use Rovers and Derry as example. Clubs that are, you know have the Europe, the, the prospect of European football and challenge for titles. I think you're always going to be struggling, aren't you, to compete with with, with that and the the contract, the multi year contracts that they were offering out uh, in abundance. Yeah, well, a team that has is Dundalk. Um, it's Stephen Bradley. He's going to be a big miss, isn't he? Not really. No, no. I, I, I don't think so. No, I was really underwhelmed by him, considering he's he started the season. He got off to a blistering start, didn't he? And you thought, God, this, this guy's going to really take over, but just completely dipped off. And even talking to Dundalk, like, I've only seen, you know, a handful of games here and there, and I thought it was really went missing in a lot of the bigger games, talking to Dundalk fans. They were saying the same thing throughout the midway part of the season. Um the likes of Paul Doyle and Keith Ward will be more dynamic than himself in the midfield. And look at Doyle and Ward are good players, but considering the start that Stephen Bradley got off to, he was expecting mm. massive things for him. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't think it'd be a massive one. You have, a, like I said, Greg Slogger signed back up for another year. Uh, Alfie Lewis would be really interesting to see how he gets on 
with a full pre-season and a full year ahead of him at, at Dundalk. So, um, no, I, I, I didn't think the losing Bradley was a massive, um, a massive loss to them towards, especially towards the performance like towards the end of the season. Okay, right. Well, well, we'll we'll have a look and we'll find that out fairly quickly. I don't think uh, Dundalk have really got anyone in at the moment. Uh, Barrett, no, uh, I think the, the, I think it's more the the re-signings, isn't he? No, re-signings, yeah. He was excellent a goalkeeper for them. Ryan O'Kane, one of the most exciting young players in the league. So I think that's that was more the important things um, for Dundalk this season was keeping a hold of them key players from last year. Because you'd imagine they again they're going to be there in their belts for European football this year. Yeah, year. and when you look at uh, Shamrock Rovers, very similar with Shamrock Rovers. It's it's mostly the re-signings that are the, are the biggest. Carl yeah. Burt, we we all we talked about, but uh, you've got the likes of Andy Lyons and and Chris McCann who are gone. Uh, not that Chris was given you know as much game time as as he would have liked to towards the end, but uh, with a Maku kind of rumored to go as well, do they need to get someone else in? I was surprised to see Barry Carr on the PFEI transfer list and, and talks of him leaving and going back to Pats haven't died down. I think they're short now. You know, Andy Lyons was their, was their best player for me last year. I thought he was actually the best player in the league um, as a whole. But he was always going to go. That's not really a surprise. But look, at Sean Gannon is getting on now. He's in his 30s. Ronan Finn in his 30s now as well. So I thought when you look at Barry Carter and the... the had such a good run uh, throughout that loan spell at St. Pat's. He's probably the best right-sided uh, fullback I thought in the second half of the season last year. So I it was more so. I know he's not some a new player coming in, but I thought he could have been reinvigorated and rejuvenated after such a good run of games and shown what he can do when you give him that bit of consistency. So I was surprised uh, to see him. Well, like, he could always sign back up, but. Shamrock Rovers also announced with, with Alan Manis came back is that we signed a new contract like Aaron Green signed a new contract so Barry Carter wasn't on that early list uh, that yeah. was definitely a name that I, that I thought made sense to uh, to slip back in to that right back position at Tallah Stadium obviously from a past point of view it would be absolutely buzzing to, to see him come back to Richmond Park but yeah but th- that was the one for me that I thought uh, really early on but I think from a Rovers point of view we talk about it probably this time every year don't he central striker I, yeah. I still think it's a department that needs to be looked at for them. Right? We talked about Aaron Green signing back, but he only scored four goals. Rory Gaffney probably had the season of his life last year, but again, the, the age is getting up there. And is that it, what I'm is, saying is, is, about is, is, this is it team? Critical, is it that much of a critical thing? Am I, is, am I probably going a bit overboard with it, but is it critical for them now to get somebody in? Do they go for, you know, an Aiden Keane at a Sligo Rovers or maybe look across the water? Well, I think with Shamrock Rovers they've been brilliant but every time they get a young player into the squad they seem to be letting them move on and these older players are sitting and settling into that team and yet they, these, they're good players but you know time waits for nobody and, and eventually if you have a squad that starts turning into an, an ageing squad Yes, their experience is there, but after a while, you need youth. You need you need something yeah. that's going to spark up something. And, you know, as you said about Lions, Mandreu, you know, any of these players that, that keep ticking away and, and, and Maku who, who could be gone. And they're the kind of players that you're, you thought, right, the Shamrock Rovers, they have a, a decent academy. They're going to bring players through. And they are. But if they're snapped up straight away, how does your first team survive then? Where are you getting your first team? If you're getting the, the academy players into your team to go and sell, 
where's the players that are going to be steady there and perform for you and take you on to the next level? So there's there is there's a little bit of a, a question mark there for me. Is there a question mark that they'll be up challenging? No, I don't think so. I think they'll be up challenging. No all right. And, and could they go on win it? Absolutely. Of course they could. But at some stage, they're going to hit a crossroads where they're going to actually have to make a decision on are they actually going to keep some of these players and and, and push on and and, and or are they going to let it slip away and all of a sudden then the Derrys take over and you know whoever else is is coming through with uh, you know a little bit more money behind them so yeah I think I think they have to be very very careful yeah because I was actually not excited but as a neutral as a League of Ireland fan and a football fan I was excited at the prospect of, of seeing Matthew. Uh, really step into that starting eleven. I think he's an absolutely excellent player. Rooms him going over to Millwall and and, and just deserved. Like you like, think like a Macky or maybe a Graham Bourke next year up top. Mm. All of a sudden, this, this could be your your your, your central striker for for next season. Anyway, because you don't have no illusions that you want talent a player like a Macky. He's likely going to leave anyway. But you might as well squeeze squeeze a year or two out of him in the fourth team and give him. So you know you're getting that that talents but you're also giving them that bit of seasoning of consistent men's football so I was again another player surprised to see now we know he's not been, nothing has been officially announced but it, it's heavily rumoured I think the player even said so himself that it's very likely he's not going to play for Shamrock Rovers again yeah um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm amazed uh, at how they're kind of directing that and I'll be interested to see if they bring in, like, again, Liam Board come in, that's great. But they, for me, they're losing two, three players a season that are of decent quality. I think they need to be bringing in two, three players of decent quality to, to uh, and maybe uh, one more onto that if they want to, if they want to progress and not just stagnate because no one else behind them, they're all chasing and they all want it. And if you're not, if you're not uh, chopping and changing that team and, and, and making it fresh, yeah, it can go very stale very quickly. Uh, yeah, so I suppose, listen, we'll talk about quickly about St. Pat's. What do St. Pat's need? Because uh, there's, I mean, Adam O'Reilly's gone to... Uh, yeah, it's a shame. Preston, back, you know, so... Back off his own milk, yeah. You know, and when, and when Pats lose a player like that, it really does affect them. Yeah, and it will affect them. It, it, it really will, actually. Um, Jamie Lennon was unlucky uh, last year. Uh, we've seen the start of the season. Chris Forrest had to drop back into a deeper position, which just doesn't suit Forrester. He does his best work in more of a, a free roam. And not maybe number necessarily number 10, but number 8 just, you know, Floating between that, that space between the striker, the strikers, and the, the deep line of midfielders. Um, yeah. So when I really came in and sort of sat back into that deep midfield position, it let the likes of Forrest they have to put that bit more freedom. So he's going to be a huge loss, Adam Royley, and it's going to be we're not going to get him back. He's going to where uh, he's gone back up. He's long to Preston. I don't know if he's physically has enough to stake a place in a championship team. I'm not too sure about that, as all the talent that the lad has in the world. He's an energizer bunny, never stops. Um, for a short, for a small, short lad, like he was really strong in the tackle, and he has a good physical presence that you really wouldn't expect out of him. But it's a different level, isn't it? Where they're going up to the championship. So mm. I don't know if we drop down to a League One, League Two, maybe. But I still think it'd be incredibly difficult to get him back in the same patch. I think we're looking at Pats, just similar to what we talked about with other clubs, it's who they got back in. You know, we're seeing Joe Redmond, massive to see him back at the club. Um, David Odomusu, who again had a terribly unlucky season last year, 
with uh, Joseph Anand when he, when he left in his loan move. He's expected to step into the number one goalkeeping position. Uh, the day that Joseph Anand left, he pulled out. He picked up an ankle injury, which left Adamusu out. So they had to bring in Danny Rogers. So you'd like to see Adamusu get in, seeing what he can do at an underage level, what he can do. So great to see him get consistent football. Sam Court is another lad that's expected to move, but they have him down on a contract. So transfer fee will be incoming. Yeah, it's just replacing them, isn't it? Re- replacing the Barry Carters at right back if you can't get them in. Um, Adam Royal is going to be an absolute massive loss. I think they're going to have to look at the striker position as well. Uh, while Owen Doyle is there for another season. Um, it's Owen Doyle was a weird one last year, wasn't it? And I think we even touched on it as well. For someone that had done decent numbers in terms of goals, I think he finished up with the second highest goal scorer. You could definitely say he underwhelmed. Um, a lot of the goals came penalties against lower opposition. So there's a lot of bigger games where he just really didn't perform in particular in Europe. Um, again, another year when he's bell pre-season. I know we had a lot of difficulty off the field, uh, settling back into Dublin in terms of getting accommodation and things like that. So hopefully they've sorted themselves out. Things go, they all go hand in hand, Roy. You know, yeah. as a performer, player yourself, like when I'm sure in personal life... Uh, it's, it can definitely affect the on-field uh, performance, but yeah, Tony Oalabe, another player that, that's that's left St. Pat's now, uh, can be an absolute handful. Ronan Coughlin still at the club, he's, he's not good enough for me, so there's definitely, that's another position that's going to have to be looked at from St. Pat's is the striker position. I still, look, I might sound a bit down on B, but there's definitely still optimism in the early days. I think Pat's could still be there with you all at this in 2022, challenging for European football, looking at that toward fourth place. But yeah, they're definitely going to have to uh, look at bringing some bodies in. But like I said, great to see Carter come back in. Tommy Lonrin was a nice signing, but again, he's quite young, coming off a good half season with UCD. Can you expect him to step up to the plate and be, and be that goal scorer to get you into Europe? It, it's, it's, Pat's, it's, Pat's it's problem wasn't necessarily their starting 11. It's just what was back no, up there, no, wasn't no. it? Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. it's it's the, nearly you're hoping bench, that yeah. they can build on to that squad and and when they have a couple of rough rough uh, injuries that they can squeeze results out in those periods. Yeah, no, it definitely is, and I think even going at that, I, I we talked about this uh, like young lads, even Shamrock Rovers. I was disappointed to see some of the young lads at left St. Pat's. Mm. There's a Kyle Robinson, good striker. Uh, ben Courts has gone, so these are lads. Ross Foy, actually another lad that's highly touted down in the academy, has left the club, so. Young lads that you know could have really uh, filled out the squad a little bit more because, as you said, especially later uh, after the European run uh, settled down, a couple of injuries got picked up. Uh, some of the the, the the benches that Pats had to put out uh, in the last stage of the season were no disrespect for some of the young fellas, but really bare bones. And it's difficult, it's a lot of pressure to expect so a young lad to come on and really influence a game um, when you're chasing a European position the way Pats were. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'll just touch on. Uh, Shelbourne because you know with the rumours of the investment um, from the, the, the London based American investment firm um, who are linked with uh, Southampton there is going to be an interest there to see what happens maybe over this Christmas and, and into January uh, they, they brought in a few players and they've, and they've let go a, a few players I mean Ty, I think Tyreek Wilson's in with them Great uh, sign uh, Evan Cafferty is in with them. Yeah, Matty Smith has been yeah. made permanent. So, is that really the make and break for them? Damien Duff's done a decent job, and they just he just they just need to get in the players that he can help push them on. 
I think he's actually overachieved, to be honest with you, right? Um, considering the circus that was around him when he came in, it was all eyes on Damien. And then after the first game of the season, they were well beaten by Pats. And he thought, here we go, this is, this is just going to be an absolute joke show for a couple of months. Um, mm. In fairness to him, he wasn't at all. He really did, he got, a group, got a great group of players together. And there's still some there. Like you mentioned some of the lads have signed on, but to, uh, to have Sean Boyd back on board, to have... Um, think Shane Farrell is at the coming back on board as well. So players that were key to shares last year, Jack Moyle we talked about too, uh Tyreek's brother, JR are right back. So there's definitely there's some really good young talent there. And the average age of the squad I think was one of the lowest, wasn't it? Yeah. In the Premier Division last year. So that's not gonna be an, an issue of aging themselves out, you know, like um oh, I think so. It'd be interesting to see how they get on this year. Like looking at Shelbourne and we talked about the Cork City team earlier on in, in the show. So they're going to be two really interesting sides, aren't they, to see what do they have um, at the disposal in terms of a budget and funds and what they can bring in. Uh, it's a good position to be in because you, know, you look at a side like Drotter, who they don't know where the money's going to come from. They're still struggling to find an investor. It's it's a nightmare position for a manager, Kevin Doherty, to be in to, to not know. And even though Drotter have brought some players in, but to not really have a, a figure in terms of a budget and to it's sort of just making up a little bit in the early days. So, in fairness to Damien Duff, it is a nice position to be in, isn't it? It's to make some of these big marquee signings early on and make sure they get a, a decent pre-season behind them because, again, they're not going to challenge for the league. I'm sure it's, that's not going to be a controversial take to say, but to, to improve on their standard from last season, mid-table, fourth, fifth, that's that kind of place, it, it's definitely something that uh, wouldn't be beyond them. Yeah, absolutely. Um I suppose just before we finish, uh, we're going to mention the retirement of former Dundalk captain Brian Gartland. How do we look back at his career? Yeah, what, what, what do we say that hasn't already been said? Some of the tributes that have come out uh, about his career have been brilliant, haven't they? Uh, yeah. 36, League of Ireland man, true and true. Uh, started off at Bray Wanderers, went to Shelbourne, Manahan United. Little quick excursion up to Northern Ireland, reported down, but we're not going to remember that, are we? We're going to just remember him from his uh, he's done dark days. Uh, five Premier Division titles, three FEI Cups, three EA Sports Cups. Countless memories in Europe. Uh, club captain. I think it was, what was it, two, close to 250 appearances made for the club. So, yeah, yeah an absolute modern-day legend. The, the quality centre-back. Really, really one of the best centre-halves you'll see in the league over the past couple of decades. Um it was nice to see him go out on his terms. You know, we've seen him pick up that terrible ACL injury back in April 2021 against uh, Shamrock Rovers. So he only made five appearances in the season just gone, but to see him now come back with such a nasty injury and like he's 36 when he's retiring. So he thinks he's 35 when he picked up that injury. So it was hard to even see him coming back. So yeah. to see him be able to make that comeback and to do it on his terms, that, that's the nicest thing. I think that's the nicest part of this is to see a player being able to walk out and not be forced out. And no doubt we'll see Brian uh, around some club, whether it's coaching or managing himself. Um, he just seems to have that kind of uh, aura about him that yeah. he, he, yeah. he'd love to delve into that. So, uh, yeah, in, enjoy retirement, Brian. Uh, it actually sucks. You know, you, you, you're <laughs> you really want to be playing football. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, he's been he's been brilliant for Dundalk. Now, finishing off. And we've got to talk about the Women's National League. They've changed themselves to a professional status. Um, well, the FAI have. 
yeah, it's it's definitely a positive stride, isn't it? Uh, to, to, to see them taken. Look, there's a couple of questions around it, but we'll jump into what we know. Uh, as you said, the FBI have confirmed that pro contracts will be wheeled out to women National League players for the 2023 season. This came into effect on December the 4th, which is gone now, a couple of days, well, a couple of days removed from that. Um, this will mean that he will receive um, the same standard of contracts and the same minimum wage uh, regulations that the male League of Ireland players get. So they'll receive a minimum of uh, €430 per week, that's for full-time players, and €130 per week for part-time players. Now, we've done a proper breakdown of all the minimum wage structures that just came into place in terms of amateur contracts and, and you know, the aid brackets that was on last last week's show. We want to go back and have a proper in-depth listen to what we got into. Uh, we won't do that again and bought a lot of areas for a second show in a row. Um but the, the so one of the caveats is that the, this isn't the offering professional contracts to the players, it's not um being forced on clubs. It's it's not a it's it's only if the club is in a position to do so. So clubs can still offer professional, semi-professional, and amateur contracts. But what this does mean is that obviously clubs are going to put the top players and their their most exciting young prospects on a professional contract and to ensure that it ties them down for the twenty twenty three season, which yeah. in turn means that you're going to see uh, clubs being given transfer fees, which is something that. It's so badly needed. Like, you know, we've seen uh, Jesse Stapleton leaving Shelburne a couple of weeks ago for nothing. Uh, Shamrock Rovers have, have brought in Anya O'Gorman from Piedmont for nothing. These are players that should be requiring a transfer fee. So that's the biggest thing they're going to see uh, from the professional contracts. It's also going to make sure that um, long moves are now going to be introduced into the Women's National League. So, oh, you know, if a young player is at Shelbourne and struggling to get in, they can move on and get that little bit of experience with, you know, a Sligo or Cork CEO treaty lower down into the table. So, yeah, I think it's definitely a positive stride forward. There's questions around, you know, where's the money going to come from for clubs to be able to afford professional contracts? No, it's not going to be a hot take to say, but the crowds just aren't really there on a consistent basis for the Women's National League at the moment. Like the, the, the men side of things, some clubs will struggle to offer a professional contract. But you'd imagine with the FEI making this announcement that there's been help between themselves and, you know, maybe the government, if they want to give us a dig out at some stage, um, to, to make sure clubs can do this because it's, it's a massive positive, it's such sort a of positive step for the league as a whole to where the season just get there because they do the, the exact same work as the lads do in terms of travel and playing. So, to get these 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 rewards that, are, that they deserve wholeheartedly, and we talked about it again in in the last couple of weeks, that Irish sport over the past couple of years, it's, it's all the positivity has come from the women's side of things, not only in football but in Irish sports. So, yeah, great to see uh, this move being made. Any thoughts? Yeah, no, it's 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 a great thing to introduce because it's it's not starting at the, a low point lower than the, the, the men's team that they are going in straight away uh, as equals and that this will it'll benefit because if you want to have the best players you're going to have to pay for the best players and there will be competition and and they're going to have to come up with new marketing uh, structures and and uh, get people through the gates, get people to buy their merchandise. I think I just think it's it's a good thing. I think it's it's a, it's a step in the right direction. And women's football, you see women's football over in England now, it's flourished over the last while. Yeah. You know, 
and with Ireland doing uh, well in the in w- with the ladies, it can only help but flourish the sport here in Ireland. And listen, as I said to you already, there's games left, right, and centre all over the place. You only have to walk out into a. a a park and you'll see women's games going on left, right and centre so the interest is huge now as well so it's brilliant to see and I really hope that it's it's the first step in making the game uh, I suppose a professional permanent structure in in our football and community I suppose so it's yeah no it's absolutely brilliant I'm just it's going to be hard for clubs I do understand that it's not going to be easy to get get that money across but as you said they'll still have you know the amateur status uh, but if they want to compete they're going to have to start paying out the money which is which is important means there's competition there and uh, it'll be good for well good for the players who are performing and, and who are of a standard and then if someone wants to take them the clubs will benefit you know from getting and as you said, a transfer fee. So, you know, sometimes you have to put your money where your mouth is. Uh, and this is a good start for, for the women's game. And it's a good start for the men's as well. And hopefully this is, is only yeah. the first step for them too. So, uh, listen, Nathan, we're going to leave it there. Thanks very much. We'll talk more first division, uh, merry-go-round and stuff like that on our on the next show. Uh, but thanks very much for you for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you very soon.